Good morning. The Lord talks to me sometimes through songs, mostly through secular songs. I don't know why. The other day I went to sit down and uh, open the Bible and I just waited. I felt the Lord started singing to me. Um, You've lost that love and feeling. Oh, that love and feeling. I felt him calling me back to um, to rekindle my romance with him. There's this other song, this chorus, um, and it goes like, um, "I don't know much, and I don't know much." I know that I love you and that may be all I need to know. <laughs> oh, and I don't know much, but I know that I. I've been singing that little chorus hymn for the last four months, I think. Because it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's like I don't know much. So I love him. I walked in and, and uh, out of our prayer time and I was reading that encounter Jesus. That's so beautiful. I think every just gen should have an encounter Jesus thing like that. When you walk in, because that's the point. But when I read the word encounter, I felt him whispering it just whispering into my heart, I am more committed to that encounter than you. I want that encounter more than you want it. See, intimacy was his idea. Face to face was his idea. I want it more than you. I could just, I could just drink from that, that revelation of unending love. You see, Adam was, the first Adam was still an idea in the mind of God when Jesus was already on his way to the incarnation. He's so committed, so devoted to this fellowship, this union, this intimacy. And when the Father was reconciling us to him on the cross, he canceled any distance or separation. And sometimes that's what the enemy throws the most, is the illusion of separation. I actually wanted to say to you guys before we started worship, you can't get any closer to him than what you already are. Sometimes song simply helps us come into the awareness of his nearness. It's the unveiling of our hearts more than it is the unveiling of his. And we find ourselves stumbling into a love that's so deep, we don't have words to express depth of it, the warmth of it, the passion of it. And I wanted to start with that. I wanted to say to you guys, I actually don't think I'm going to go to where I wanted to, but I felt him wanted to say that more than anything. I want this more than you. I'm so committed, so devoted 
in love. You see, there's this, David makes this incredible Psalm 23. You love Psalm 23. If you don't, go read it again. All such deep, wonderful revelations of the nature of the one you love. But David makes an incredible, incredible uh, statement. And he says, goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. But the Hebrew word there doesn't mean follow. Sometimes the Christian have this view of their God. They walk and goodness and mercy just follows at a close distance. It's kind of there all your life. It's faithful in following you. It's not what the word means. The word means to overtake. And the picture is like a predator. Think of a lion hunting. That's, that's what David had in mind. That's the revelation he wanted to bring to the reader of that psalm. Is your God doesn't follow by close distance. He chases you. He wants to overtake you with love. He wants to overtake you with his goodness. And then the other psalms, David would write and he would say, His loving kindness is ever before me. It's the word, the Hebrew word chesed, which, which means loyal, devoted love. What David is saying is, I've had many paths in my life. Some, some rebellious paths, some disobedient paths, some obedient paths. Some, I've been on many paths in my life, but no matter which one I was on, waiting for me was loyal love, devoted love. Chasing me from death, from me, I, I can't get away from him. I can't get away from him. He's so good. Give us 10,000 lifetimes to sing of his goodness, and we won't scratch the surface of it. The father looked at the son being baptized and he said, This is my cherished, beloved beautiful son and all my delight is in him Jesus has been satisfying the heart of the eternal God for all eternities and sometimes the church gets bored with him this morning he wants to invite you to rekindle longing and romance the seeking of him because there's more to be discovered. Much more. I love how in, in Matthew 16, the first time we, we catch this word church. It's mentioned there for the first time in the New Testament. But how it takes, how it takes us to that, to that mystery, to this, what we have here. It, it leads the reader into that unveiling with asking a question. Hey, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter caught himself. You are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ, you know. He gets that revelation of Lord. Jesus looks at him and he says, and on this revelation I will build my church. The revelation of the glorious Son. The beautiful one, 
the brightest in all the universe. John would have a glimpse and say his face outshines the sun in its full strength. Are you guys okay? Are you, I hope you're drinking. Are you drinking from the Lord this morning? Because I don't think I should actually talk much. I'm going to share just two or three points and then to be with him is the point. Paul would say that. I count all things lost. Listen to this word. For the surpassing value, worth of knowing Him. And then he goes a little bit further. And he says, I count all things as rubbish compared to this, knowing this beautiful one. Paul talks about a value system, a scale. On the one side, he's, put, he's putting all the things that the world would say, this will satisfy, this, will, this, will, this is good, this is beautiful. Every desire in the mind and heart of man, he puts on one side and he puts Christ on the other. And he says, he outweighs them all. Knowing him is the point of life. Tozer said, sometimes the most neglected topic in the kingdom of God is God himself. He wants your heart more than anything. I was ministering at our kids' church a couple of weeks ago, and I asked him three questions. Number one, why did he make you? That was interesting to hear them, you know. And I, I kind of simplified because everything they said was good. I said, no, he, because the first thing they would say is, you know, he made me to, to, to do something. All excited. I said, it's true. But he really actually made you because he wanted you. He just wanted you. The second question was, what do you think he wants most from you? That was interesting. I said to them, a connection with your heart. And then the third question is, how do I give him what he wants most? And there's a list of a hundred. And I gave them a simple one. Talk to him. Talk to him. When last if you just talked to him. I love how we started, come away. I felt like um, the word over this house in this season, as we started worshiping, I saw a rose opening up and the fragrance and the beauty of that rose coming into a full a fullness. And I saw the fragrance of this beautiful rose started the wind started taking it out into the streets and people got, got like oh where is that fragrance coming from and I feel like you are coming into a sweet season with the Lord a beautiful season the Lord wants to declare a season of adding and I felt like the Lord whispered into my heart you are coming into the season where you will now pour a sweet wine for you to drink I feel like God is inviting you to linger and linger and stay and remain in His presence because He's going to give you the most beautiful and wonderful gifts.
in his presence. I love, I heard something the other day and uh, it was beautiful revelation again of Jesus. I'm just sharing. I said, okay, I feel like I'm a little bit, uh, my head space is, I felt like I, I was drinking from the Lord. Um, and my head is actually not after my car. Which is beautiful because hopefully you leave this morning not mentioning Mervis, but talking about the lover of your souls. It's in our weakness that he's strong. But in the Old Testament, when a, a sin-burdened worshiper will bring the lamb to be sacrificed on the Day of Atonement, you know what's interesting? That never once does the priest inspect the worshiper. He just inspects the lamb. See, if the, is the lamb without spot or wrinkle? Is, and when the lamb is found worthy, the sacrifice is received. You and I are standing here today, not because of anything we've done, but because there was a lamb inspected. We just have to believe. Receive. This week, I felt like the Lord's been, been stirring up in my spirit. You know, you know the, the verse where it speaks up, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And I felt like the Lord's been stirring my heart. Don't, don't sow praise sparingly. Don't sow worship sparingly. Mary could have so easily at the feet of Jesus in that room when she anointed him, she could so easily have taken half of the bottle of perfume. Two drops would have been probably enough. But the extravagance was what moved him, right? It was an extravagance from her part. It was, it was all in. And Jesus took that little Mary's life and he made, a, he made her life a memorial of extravagant love. He says, whenever, whenever you preach the gospel of the cross, you will remember what she did to me today. amazing so I'm so determined when I come to the most beautiful face I don't so sparingly all my might all my heart all my strength I don't come to the throne to get filled he is kind he'll do that I come to the throne to empty myself over him it's the funniest thing. Those times of worship where you empty yourself the most are the times you get filled the most. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If this house sows sparingly in praise. Oh, extravagance. Why? Because we get something out of it. No, because He's worthy. Deserving. So God wants some of you to rekindle your romance with Him again. That you may count all things lost for the surpassing value worth of knowing Him intimately, face to face. 
do not for one moment any longer entertain the thought that there's separation between you and Him. I love John 15. If you abide in me, if the branch is in the vine, he'll have fruit. Another thing I felt in our time of worship is the Christian life should be a life lived out of the overflow of our enjoyment of Him. Fullness of joy He is. Knowing Him is fullness of joy. Is your cup running over with joy? There's this, there's this, I don't have the right English word, Afrikaans, okay, but I can't say okay, but there's this, this sadness that comes to the Christian life when you walk the Christian walk without knowing the Christian king. You find this Christian walk is empty because the point is not the Christian walk, the point is the Christian king. Out of our enjoyment of Him, our, our union with Him. That cross did a perfect work. And any distance between us is separated. I want you face to face. Oh, I was feasting on this verse. The Father was in the Son reconciling us to Himself. The Father wasn't somewhere distant looking at the Son. He was in Him fully committed, fully devoted. To the eternal dream he's always had. Do you know that you're the only creature created, made to mine the treasures in God? You're the only creature made. Everything inside of you, outside of you, was made with this purpose in mind. Communion, fellowship, intimacy. You were made for Him. And you see, that's the point. It's knowing Him. Walking intimately with Him. And then learning to live from the overflow of your enjoyment. Oh, He's beautiful. I've said this and I've always said this. Make the study of the beauty of God revealed in the Son of God a high priority in your life and you will always have a flame in your heart. If, if, if the heart's flame is quenching, it's because you've stopped looking. Stop gazing. Stop beholding. Oh, but, but to see Him is to love Him. This, this Two guys on the road to Emmaus. Jesus coming in alongside them. Why are you guys so sad? And they told them the whole story, you know. And now there's confusion because people say he's out of the tomb and they met angels and we're like, it's stirring, you know, in the city. And then it says, and Jesus opened up the scriptures pertaining to himself. He opened up Moses the law and he opened up the prophets and, and, he, and he unpacked all the 
prophetic word, all the revelation of him in the Old Testament. A 17-mile journey, I think. Him just unpacking himself. And they're walking and they're listening to the revelation of Jesus, this Messiah, this promised one. And I, and I, and I love when we get to the, to the place in the story where Jesus walks on and the, the two are like, begging him to please don't go. Stay with us. And, and I was reading that yesterday because Jesus was on his way somewhere else. But because they were so persistent, he stayed. And I was like, I want that. Please don't go. And he stayed. And when they broke the bread, their eyes were opened. It's like he was broken. Broke the bread, their eyes were opened. And then they realized, of course it was him. All the way. Did not our hearts burn all the way from Jerusalem to Emmaus? Did, did it not burn when the revelation of him came into us? You burn when you see Him. You burn when you know Him. You are not the keeper of the flame in your heart. It's a work of grace when the revelation of Jesus is unveiled in your spirit by the Holy Spirit as you pray and seek and want Him. Lord, help us to love you more. And help us to receive that love. Help us to see you more. Uh, change our lenses, God. Wash our minds. Help us discover the beauty of Jesus once again. Let that name be on our lips more than the, more than the word theology and meeting and calendar and worship. The name of Jesus. Let it, let it be the name that stirs up the flame of longing again in us, Lord. Let there be a continuous returning back to our first love. Where it's you, only you, all about you. And some of us have been sleeping. Wake us up. And give us a, an aching longing to know you. And let it not settle in us. But let it burn bright on this way of knowing you. This year, Lord, in this family, let your name be the brightest. Let your face shine warm upon them. Help them see you rightly. Oh, breathe on the flame of longing in their hearts. Bring them to your face, Lord. Amen. I was thinking about this. I met Dion uh, in Pretoria. I was, I was not even long before I thought I'll join Just Gen ever. I met Dion. He was ministering into, into my Boots church, Dion and Kim. And, um, and, I, and I took Dion for coffee. 
And, and I said to him, Dion, if you had one message, it will probably change now since then, but then it was the message. I said, Dion, if you have one message to leave me, knowing maybe we never talk again, what would that be? What would you say to me from drawing from years and years and years of walking with the Lord? I didn't know what to expect because I didn't know him that well. I was thinking maybe some theological thing he would put on the table. He probably said the most profound theological thing anyone could ever say. And he said to me, Merv, this, learn to live under his smile. Learn to live under the warm smile of the one who made you, loves you. I wrote it down in my little journal. I constantly revisit that revelation. To live under the smile. I promise you, wherever you are in your walk with Him, whatever you've done this week or whatever you're going to do, if you get a glimpse and you can catch His eye for a moment, you won't find disappointment there. you'll find the kindest, warmest eyes that says, come home. Come home. How, How can we not pray? You know what I'm saying? He's just that good. Oh, I was, I'm landing with this because I'm feeling a stirring to preach now when we're done. But uh, where's little Gilan? Is he here? Yeah, he plays, he's playing outside. He's my middle boy. And so last year with the, the World Cup final, we were all watching. You guys were probably all watching as well. And it, it, it got late here in the second half, and I could see he was dim and, dim and brighting. And he's like, he's fading out. And he, he came and he sat on my lap. And just before he fell asleep, he turned his little face up to my cheek and he kissed me. And he said to me, Daddy, I love you. And for me, that was the highlight of the World Cup final. By far, by far, I could, you know, but I realized something. I felt the Lord speaking to me in that moment. He said, is his love fully mature or is his love still immature? And I said to him, his love is still immature. He's like eight. The Lord said, but did it move you any less? I said, no. He says, I feel that way about my kids. Even your weak attempts towards his heart means a lot to him. Come home. Step into wonder again and majesty and beauty. You were made for this. Amen.